All right. So we are in the book of Joshua. Joe. I was right. Joshua. <laughs> I didn't say I was right, so I didn't know. The book of Joseph. That's not you even started book. writing J. O. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I said Joseph. All right. So if you remember, Joshua one nine says. Yes, be strong and have good courage. Do not be afraid, neither be thou dismayed. That rhymed. Why? It, right, it, it's true. <laughs> Why? Because God is with us. God is with you. Okay? So, that was the theme, that is the theme of the book of Joshua. And do not be afraid. Okay? Have courage. And we are going to continue to talk about courage and not being afraid for things. And then we're going to tie what's been happening together. But first we need to kind of go back over and just do a quick review of it. So we started with that. And the very first thing they did after God said have courage was... Oh, be afraid. They were afraid of the giants in the land. No. Uh, Many of them. Where'd they walk? They've been walking for 40 years. Now where did they walk? Across where? The Jordan River. Oh, wow. Across the Jordan River. Into the promised land, which actually the real promised land that God promised them was much larger. But they were scared of the giants and the sharks. He said they were sharks. Now this is always my my Red Sea, right? And this is the what river? Nile. The Nile River. And this is actually important in this one. This is the Med Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. Okay. And this is the Galilee. Ah, Galilee. I even made a G there so you'd know. Okay. And this is the Dead Sea. Dead Sea. We got the Dead Sea, the Red Sea, the Med Sea, and the Sea of Galilee. And then we got the Jordan <laughs> River, right? And then way over here. That's the Fertile Crescent. This is the Fertile Crescent. Between what? Euphrates and the Tide. Yes, the Euphrates. No. And the Tigris River. And this is where they say civilization started. Okay? Or early civilization possibly lived there. Garden of Eden, possibly even. Huh. Imagine that. Well, we do know that. We do know. No, not on that God. That I think it's the Euphrates River is actually mentioned in the Garden of Eden. So it borders somewhere along there. We don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Why not? What else you got to do? I don't know. Didn't have to work at first. And then they messed it all up. Yeah, and now we have to go to school. And now you have to go to school. <laughs> we could have been in <laughs> Because of Adam and Eve, you gotta go to school. Alright, so the idea is, and this is not drawn perfectly to scale, although it's so close, it's amazing. 
<laughs> God first said to Abraham of Ur, which I think was somewhere over here. Okay. Get up and walk, and everywhere you go will be the promised land. And he particularly says borders from the Nile River. All the way over to the Euphrates River. That's a long way. And all the way up the north and down south, this away and that away. And what do the Jewish people end up taking in the end? Basically, this stretch here, and they settled some smaller settlements on the other side here. Um, a couple of tribes settled on that side of Jordan, and the rest of them just they took in here. Okay. By the way, when God made that promise, here was an interesting thing. There was the Sinai, the peninsula out in here. This section between Israel and um, Egypt. There was a war, fifties, uh, maybe the fifties. It was called the Six Day War. And the Egyptian army came against Israel and said, we want this territory. And that six-day war, and the Egyptian army was stronger, had more weapons, and they were going to beat him. And they fought for six days, and Israel beat the living snot on them. In six days, they were over... They had no reason for them to win, except that God gave them that land originally. And when God says, that's my promised land to you, he means it forever. Okay? So someday you'll learn about the Six-Day War um, in your world history and see the things that were happening. So this was the original attempt for God to say, take all this stuff. Okay? And when they left Egypt, right? They left out of Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, okay, because they went out this way, and they were supposed to go right into the Promised Land, but instead they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years, right? Finally, they're coming in. They cross that Jordan River, and what is the first thing they're going to do crossing the Jordan River after they cross? Go to Jericho. You would think so, but then they didn't, right? They built an altar. Oh, yeah, in the middle of the sea to show that they were in there. Okay, they built an altar, one inside and one alongside. The one inside was the for first God. Camp. The one inside was for God, yep. And then they did two other things, which is not preparing for war. They did eat food, and they, they specifically celebrated one of the... Famous things that they do. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. They, um, they celebrated that they did, like, like the, they put the manna into the, they crossed, they celebrated that they crossed the river. They jumped over a candlestick. That is the angel passing over. <laughs> that was the doorway. He was just passing over to start with. Yeah, passing over. All right. All right. So
so here's the thing, right? They celebrate Passover, and if you also recall, all of the males got circumcised because none of the males were circumcised because no one had been circumcised since Egypt. So an entire generation had not been dedicated to God. And that was a symbol. Circumcision was simply a symbol for them to say we are set apart and we have a covenant with God. What's a covenant? A promise. Also, we use the word testament as the same thing, interchangeable with covenant. So we have a new covenant or a new testament in what? It is in the Bible, but we celebrate a... No, we don't celebrate Passover. What do we celebrate? Several times a year. And it's sort of a celebration and kind of... Several times a year. Several times a year. Communion. Yes. This, take the cup. This is the New Testament in my blood. This is the new covenant in my blood. Take it. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the body, right? So we do that as a covenant. And what, what is the promise? What is the covenant? What is the testament? That we can go to heaven if we ask God to forgive. That he will, he will wash us with his blood if we, if we ask for forgiveness, right? 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, So that is his promise to us. Faithfully he will do it. So we are, he says, do this in remembrance of me. This is what he's saying. You do this. So just like that, they came over and they have now crossed over the Jordan. This is significant because something is happening all the way back from Egypt, all the way out to the desert, all the way into the promised land. This is something that we will call a picture. It's a picture for us. What is it a picture of? Now here is the big question. It is a picture. This whole thing is done for our learning. So when they come in, they create a covenant. They do a, they do a covenant as God says, right? And they, they promise we're going to do what we ought to do. We're going to be set apart. And then they go to Jericho. And what do they do? Remember, Joshua's out looking at that great big huge wall. Jesus shows up, Right? And says, I'm the captain of the army of the host of the Lord, right? I'm the one in charge of all of them. Right? He's looking at this huge fortress. How are we going to take it? Okay? Overwhelming fortress. We're going we're gonna to look at that. Overwhelming fortress walls. They go and they take it, right? March around the wall. They don't knock it down. They don't do anything. They just march around it. With God, with, with the, the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulder. Blow the horns. And then on the dead, they finally, on the seventh day, seven times, seven times, and they go, and it all comes out. 
And that's it. I mean, literally, they do not lay a finger on that wall. God does all of the crushing of the walls of Jericho. The mighty walls of Jericho. Then they move on to Ai. And what happens in Ai? Um, wait, but, but you don't... We'll be back. We'll come yeah, back there. But you have to talk about why they failed in Ai, don't we? All we said is they moved on to Ai. You're telling me the story, not me. Well, they... they, they I wasn't even here. They thought it was a little... <laughs> They thought it was just a little city that they were able to beat, but then they had armies that chased them away. Exactly, and why? Okay. <laughs> so, wait, wait, wait. I like that. They thought it was a little city. No big deal, right? Nope. No big deal. MBD. No big deal, right? No big deal. We're just going to take it. There's not even very many of them. They look so wimpy. We saw them right there. We're going to go, crush them, right? And yet, what happened? They got defeated. Did they have a bigger army? Yeah. Who had a bigger army? AI. No. Oh. A smaller army. And a smaller army. And they still were defeated. And why were they defeated? Because they... Because they that guy was betrayed it. Aiken, and yeah. what did he do? That's he the problem. Stole, stole stuff and put it on his tent, even though God specifically said not to do it, and so did Joshua. No, Joshua didn't steal anything. No, no. But yeah, oh, Joshua said not to do it, right? Yeah. So, tell me what? Yes, he stole it. What was the real sin? What's the core problem of that sin? Oh, okay, obedience is one of them. I'll, I will give you that because. God told him not to, and he did it. And so did Joshua, like two minutes before. So, yes, they told him not to, but what made him do it? Greed. That's a sin. Okay, <laughs> greed, yes. What's... He came up against a choice, right? I can do what God says, but why didn't he? Because he didn't want. It was like the pride of it. Because he, he was standing over there. That he... You know, God wouldn't do anything. Yeah. God wouldn't, okay, so either God wouldn't do anything, and yes, he had all these chances, right? Bring your tribe out, bring your family out. Hey, Aiken, it's you. I mean, come on. We, we knocked it all out till you were there. Um, I'm going to put a word in there. Lust. Oh, yeah. What does lust mean? Okay, yes, that's a, yes, I mean, that is, but, but what does lust mean? What does it mean? Can you lust after a pen? Yes, technically. Yes, you can. You can lust after anything. Anything. Any physical thing. So it's not about... There, there is desire in lust, right? But what does the desire say? Does God not want Achan to have gold and clothes? It's not about that, is it? What is Achan's problem? He's like obsessed with 
How about this? Time. Time is your clue. Does that make it easier? Time is the problem. He wants it now. That is what lust is. Lust is not necessarily having a desire that's evil. The desire is, I want this and I will not wait for it. I will not wait till God tells me it's okay. I will take it now. Okay? And that is lust. And, and that doesn't matter what you want, what you're trying to take. Lust means, I will not wait for God. I will not wait for anybody. I want it now. Okay? And that is a problem in God's sight. Because many times, right? Many times, God says, I want you to have wonderful things and lots of things. But you have to wait till it's time. Right? Can't have it till you're ready. And it's not when you think you're ready. It's when God thinks you're ready. Can't have it till I planned it. Okay? Because if you do it outside of my will, it makes a mess of things. Alright? So, here it is. I want it now. And that's what lust is. Now, most of the time, people talk about lust in its sexual lust. I want it now. In other words, I will not wait until it's God's plan. And what is God's plan for sex? In marriage. Marriage. That's God's plan, right? And so he says, if you don't wait till marriage, you will come up with more mess in your life. You'll have consequences. That's just all there is to it. It makes it harder in your life. You choose it, it makes it harder. So if you are saying, I want it, and I want it now, no. You will have consequences with it. Okay? Because God has a better plan. So we have this great big city, overwhelming fortress walls, and then we have a, hey, this is no big deal. It doesn't look bad at all, except we found that there is something that's holding us back. Right? A sin that's holding us back. Sin holding us back. Now, I told you this was a picture. This whole thing, I walked you through, through from denial, they're slaves, Moses frees them by a redeemer, he takes them out, he takes care of them, he brings them to a place where they are going to have a covenant with God. The covenant with God begins something. It marks something new. And they cross into the border of this promised land. And this promised land is something. What does it represent? Promise, okay. Yes. <laughs> Hooray, that's really good. So, does it represent... Salvation. Yes. Does it represent heaven? Yes. Does it represent something else? Yes. What do you think? <laughs> what does the promised land represent to you as a Christian? Joshua going into the promised land with the Israelites and he's taking these cities. 
victory. We're going to be in the promised land. And we sing songs about them in choir. I've reached the land of corn and wine, with all its riches freely mine. Here shines undimmed one blissful day, for all my night has passed away. Oh, Beulah Land! Beulah Land is the promised land. Is it in a different language? No, it's just called Beulah Land. That connects somewhere else, but that's essentially it's the promised land. Yes, what? What you just said. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I said we sing about it. So what is it? What does it represent? Let's go back to let's go back to being in slavery in Egypt. What does that represent? Like sin and being held down by by and Right, okay, you're in sin. You're being held down by sin. And then the Redeemer comes, like Moses, right? The Redeemer. And who is that for us? Jesus. Jesus, okay? Jesus and comes and saves us. Is your new life and dedication to serving God. And yes. Okay. And, and uh, AI is what not to do. You know, you want to look at an example of what happens when we don't have Okay, well there's a there's a couple things in there. We'll get to we'll get to AI and we will get to Jericho in a moment, but you're right, here it is. We made a covenant with God, and the covenant is a promise, right? Mm -hmm. You are gonna do this and I'm gonna do this. It marks a time. Now here's here's the splitting off, right? They come out, they don't go to the promised land. Right? They don't go. They go off and they are sort of taken care of in this little, we get manna. What manna, what is it? We complain for 40 years. And does it mean they weren't redeemed? They were redeemed. But the Bible talks about people who essentially escape as in rushing through a burning house to get out. Which is not God's plan. There will be people, it says, that will get into heaven as in they just were rushing through and jumping out of the flames. But that's not what God wanted. Right? Because the people that all died out in the wilderness were not obedient. They did not see God's promises. They were offered the promises that God had. Come to the land of milk and honey. Flowing with milk and honey. So there's a life that God offers in the Christian life that we will say in the picture of that, that is the promised land. Come and dwell in the vale called beautiful. Here the healing streams abound. Peace and gladness are here obtainable. All you need in Christ is found. Okay? That was beautiful. What? That was beautiful. Yeah, the veil. Beautiful. <laughs> okay, so the promised land. Again, the promised land. And the promised land is a life chosen of, I am going to make a covenant with God, and I am going to do what I need to, to, to get God's promises. 
And then you walk up and there's Jericho. And it's a huge walled city. Huge. How are we going to overcome this? This is when we look as a, if we believe in Christ and we say, you know what? I want to go on. I want to be deeper in my life with Christ. The very first thing you walk up to and see is the wall of Jericho and say, the world is so big and so evil and I can never take on this by, by myself. And God says, you don't need to lift a finger to do it. I want you to march around the wall. March around it with me. You let everybody know that I'm with you. Here's two parts of the army. There, right in the middle, is the priests marching around. And they know that box. That box was in when they watched you cross the river. That's something to do with their God. They carry it like it's this crazy, weird thing. And when they come with it, like the water opens up in front of them in the river. And now they're marching around our box. And they march around first day and the second day and the third day. And you can bet by the third or fourth day, the people in Jericho are like, yeah, those guys are marching around again. Dummies. What do they know? <laughs> day seven comes, and they're thinking the same thing. And there they go march. Oh, march again. Go ahead, march again, march again, march again. We'll see you march all around our big city. They blow the trumpets, and God goes, boom, crush the city. Goodbye. You're done. Because you have, with God's promises, you have the availability of God's power with you in the promised land. But as you see, with the very next step, there are things that get in the way of victory. They had an amazing victory. They had things happen that wouldn't happen anywhere else, right? And you say, but I'm committed to God. I'm going to go in. We're going to take this whole place. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then AI comes along, and it looks so little and tiny. This is no big deal. Little tiny city. We'll send a couple guys in, take them out. We'll be done. And they get crushed. And they run back. Lost people and everything. Because there are often things that look little to us in our life. I'm only mad sometimes, but I'm always justified when I'm mad about things. My anger is no big deal because I'm doing the right thing when I'm angry. Hmm? That's what we often justify to ourselves. Or, it was only one little thing that I did when I was, that I wasn't supposed to. It's not a big deal. It really isn't a big deal. What, what could possibly happen? One little thing I did wrong. We allow those little points of things where we don't obey. We allow those little points of disobedience in our life, and we say, they're no big deal. And all of a sudden, we get knocked down on our butt one day, and we say, what happened, God? Well, you got something you need to take care of. And how did they take care of Achan? They killed him and his family. Wiped it out. And that is what God is saying is the way to get rid of sin. Wipe it out of your life. If you want the victories that come with it, and that is 
hard to do, but necessary. And it can only be done with God, and it can only be chosen out by God. All right? So in our lives, as we walk through this promised land, this is a picture of us, this picture of the promised land for us. It is a place of, we want God more deeply in our lives. What is it gonna take? If we wanna see and do what those great Christians do and did in their lives. We read about a John and Betty Stam or about a John Patton or about some great amazing missionary, a Billy Graham. What did he do in his life? The world knew about Billy Graham. And what did he do? He obeyed. And if you read about the things he did and chose to do, very intentional obedience. He refused ever to meet with a woman alone. Ever. Now, it doesn't say in the Bible you can't meet with a woman alone. But his intention was, I will not even be accused of doing something. And people all over the world wanted to meet with him. In fact, he met with Hillary Clinton one time and she wanted to meet alone and talk with him because I don't know what they said. She wanted to meet alone and talk with him. And he would do it only in a public open restaurant because he did not ever, ever, ever. He built guardrails in his life to protect him from going off and doing anything wrong, or even appearing to do anything wrong. And that man had things that God did in his life, miraculous things, incredible things. He opened up countries that no one was allowed to speak in, and they invited him. Come on in. You're not allowed to speak the word of God in those countries, but they invited Billy Graham to come in. And why is that? Because God had a plan. And he was, he was willing. He also got to be with, I don't know how many, eight, seven or eight or nine different presidents over his lifetime. And he was with every one of them. Maybe even more than that. Maybe more than that. He's been around for a long, long time. He had been around. Okay. Nope, he passed away. During, I don't even think it was that long ago. I think it was, yeah, like two years ago or something. Okay. So... If you want to do anything in your life of great value in the kingdom of God, which is the only thing that will get at you eternally of any weight, right? The eternal weight of something, then you have to go into this promised land and you have to make some progress. It's going to be big, overwhelming. We're going to have to fight for it. Sometimes those little sins are going to get in the way and it seems like, ah, those are no big deal. And they will trip you up again and again and again and again. All right? So what is it? Let's go to 2 Corinthians just to look at this really quick and then we will dig into the next problem that Joshua runs into. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. New Testament, Acts... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Okay, 2nd Corinthians, chapter number 10. Verse number 3, 4, 5, and 6, please. For... 
For though we walk in flesh, we do not, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are <clears throat> not carnal, 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 but mighty through God to be the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having a ready and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So this is what Paul says, we're here living in this body, but we have weapons that are spiritual. Our weapons, just like the weapons of Joshua, when he walked around, the things he really fought with and won with were knocking the wall down. That was not with a sword or a club or a trebuchet or a great big catapult or anything like that. He didn't burn the city walls. He didn't do anything like that. He didn't find a sneaky way in. God knocked him down. Like that. Right? He knocked him down and it was God's power and God's weapon that allowed him to have victory. And that is the only way you will overcome sins and these battles that you are going to personally have in your life should you choose to go on with God. Go to the promised land with God. All right? It's, they are good, it says, for the pulling down of strongholds. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What's a stronghold? Like a city wall. All right? Just like Jericho. Imagine that. Just like Jericho. And God's weapon can pull down those things. So you in your life, whatever you are meant to do, God has a plan for you. You are supposed to do something. You are supposed to interact and connect with people. Whatever those people are, they're probably not the same people I am supposed to interact and connect with. And you are supposed to have some sort of influence on those people. And God is the one that will remove the strongholds around them. The ones that fight you and battle you and say, I don't believe anything you say and you're just one of those dumb Christians and you don't know anything about that. That stronghold may be strong in their life this moment. But God may use all of your appropriate reactions, kindness, thoughtfulness, and actions in your life. And that may tear down one of those strongholds and God may be working in the heart of that person and saying, look at me, this is how I react, and look at that person. And that may break down that stronghold, that, that barrier between you and them, and you may have your opportunity, okay? God has these things in mind. So, that's your plan. Now tonight, Joshua is gonna get into some scrapes. Again, Joshua chapter nine, now, he's defeated Jericho. He has now defeated Ai because they got rid of the sin. And they did a mighty fine job at it. And they had done some other things before with Moses a long, long time ago. When they were defeating other others, okay, along their pathway. 
they ended up defeating some others. But that was a long time ago. This will come up today. Now, chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and what's happening? He's, he's moved in, he's done two cities now, and now what's happening? Chapter 9 of Joshua, verse 1 and 2, please. And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side of Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys, and in all the coasts of the great sea, over against Lebanon, Lebanon the Hitti, Hittite, Hittite, and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, Her and the Termite. Nothing hmm? right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, chapter 9, verse 2. That they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. All right. Six armies have heard about Joshua. All of the people of all those ites, Hivites and the Jebusites and all the others, okay? They are like city-states, probably walled cities, most of them, but I don't know about every one of them. Regardless, they're marching their armies and they're headed towards Joshua. Why? Because they heard that he defeated Jericho and that he defeated Ai and they're coming to get him. Alright? Coming to get it. Don't think in your life, your life of obedience, that you aren't going to run into some major problems along the way. And some of those major problems will only be walked through with God. Now, meanwhile, while the armies are on their way, something different happens. Same chapter, right? Now this, we talked about this being that overwhelming world, right? And this is that lust. This is like the flesh. How do we do this with the flesh? Right? Our battle with the flesh, our battle with this overwhelming fortress of the world out there that we seem like we're just insignificant compared to, but God's on our side, right? Dealing with the flesh in our life, and then the next thing we have to deal with is people like these. Chapter 9. Oh, let's see. Verse number 3. And we're going to read 10 verses. Go all the way through 13, please. And when the inhabitants of Gideon heard... Gibeon. Gibeon. <laughs> because they are the Gibeonites. Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai. They, they, did, they did work willy. Wilyly. Isn't that great? That means cunningly. Wiley Coyote. Wily, yes, like Wiley Coyote, yes. And went and made as if they had been ambassadors, and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up. And old shoes and clouded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. moldy. It's an old way to say it. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal Gil 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 and said unto him and to the men of Israel, we become far up, from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivite, 
peradventure, or maybe, maybe ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? Verse 8. And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye, and from whence ye come? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt. And all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon king of Heshbon, and to Og king of Bashan. Sure. Which was Ashtaroth. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants, therefore now make ye a league with us. This our bread we took hot of our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry, and it is moldy. And these bottles of wine, which were filled, were new, and behold, they be rent. Torn, that means. And these are garments, and our shoes became old by reason of the very long journey. Okay, so all of that to say these Gibeonites, who are about 15 miles north of where these guys are camped. Now they don't know that. Remember, they've kind of just cut a big swath in. We took Jericho, we took Ai, we haven't met all these people. And the Gibeonites have now heard about these. They were supposed to join up and make a league. When you say it's a league of something, um, it's it's a team, okay? We're gonna we're gonna make a a document, or not necessarily a document, but it's your word and my word that we're gonna stick together no matter what. Right? So we're going to make a league with the Israelites. Now what was God's word to them? When you go in, Joshua, how many of those people do you save? Yeah. Oh, none of them. None of them. Do not save any of them. When they went into Jericho, who did they save? Rahab. Only Rahab because she believed. In her house because she believed. Nobody in AI, nobody that would not believe in God. Okay, the only reason Rahab was saved is because she believed in God. Right? She articulated, I believe in God. What are you gonna do for me about this? And they said, We'll save you. We'll we'll keep you alive in the one part of the wall. The rest of the wall falls down, your house will stay there. Just the tower. With her house in it. Must have been a pretty mighty fall all around the house. <laughs> now, with all of that, these Gibeonites make a plan. What 
we know they came in, and we've heard this, that they have come in to destroy every person that lives in this whole entire land. We only live 15 miles north of here. So what we're going to do is we're going to put on old worn out shoes and clothes that are torn. We're going to bring all this moldy bread with us. We're going to bring wineskins that have all just been broken and old. Everything's going to be coming apart like we've been traveling for months to get to these people. They brought it all. They literally walked 15 miles. They walked a day to get here. And they have all this moldy bread and Oh, we've been traveling for so long, and oh, we, we've listened, we've heard, your God's amazing. You guys are amazing. See our bread, how moldy it is? See my shoes, how worn out? We've been walking for months and months just to find you. We want to make a league with you. We want to make a promise with you. You and us, we're going to be like brothers. Look at the bread, how moldy it is. And they pick out the bread and they look at it and they show it to the Israel. Look how moldy this bread is. See how moldy this bread is? When we took it, it was hot out of the oven. We put it in our knapsack and we've been traveling for forever. So much the bread got moldy. Because they're trying to because they're trying to tell them how long. Now, aren't there obvious questions that you would ask them? Right? You right? Your bread. Are, yeah, right. Why did you eat your bread before it got moldy, right? Or, you know, how where did you exactly did you come from? What city did you come from? How long have you been traveling for? Oh, it's been a long time. We've been traveling for a long look at the moldy, look at my shoes, my clothes are all torn. Right? So, I'm making a little light of it, but on they came, and what do you think Joshua and the rest of the people did? You're lying. Let's see. Verse number 14 and 15 and 16, please. Chapter 10, 14, 15, 16. That's fine. Verse 14. Whomever. Chapter 10. Was that it? Oh, I'm sorry. Chapter 9. There we go. <laughs> Chapter 9. And the men took of their victuals. The food, yep. And asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them, and made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. And it came to pass at the end of three days, after they had made a league with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors, and that they dwelt among them. Huh. <laughs> so they took the bread and said, boy, that bread is moldy. It takes a long time to grow mold like this. Months, right? Right? And they look at their shoes. Man, I mean, they seem like sincere people, right? These Gibeonites, they seem sincere. They don't look like they want to hurt us. They're far away. They told us how wonderful we are. Ding, 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 right? 
first one, first bell that should go off. Second bell that should have gone off in their mind is, what did they fail to do in verse number 14, second half? And what's counsel? They didn't ask advice from God. Huh, kind of missed that, didn't they? Wouldn't they be hungry? <laughs> there are a lot of obvious questions that you would think. And maybe if you'd say, boy, this seems a little off to me. It is off. It is off. It was off. And they fell for it hook, line, and sinker, including Joshua. Now, does Joshua want to do what God wants him to do? Yes. He does. He is not a bad man. He is not an evil man. He is a good man. And he is a good leader. But he fell for something else. First thing, we get overwhelmed by the world. Second thing, we get overwhelmed by ourselves, inside, desires. Third thing, we got to look out because there's a liar out there. Who's that liar? Satan. Satan. He would like to see us fall. Right? And if Satan can get you to trip up by tricking you somewhere along the line, by getting you to believe somebody, we oftentimes as Christians want to believe people. And this time of any time, you can look on your phone and look online and see a million people out there that are saying, this is going to happen. Praise Jesus, this is going to happen. Okay? Praise God, this is going to happen. You should see, this is going to happen, and I'm going to predict this is going to happen. God told me this is going to happen. Be aware and be careful that there are those out there who are deceiving. Some may not even be intentionally trying to do it, but they may not be right in their life. And they may be deceived by something else. So be aware. Because it is a huge downfall of Christians that we believe so many things oftentimes, one way or another. I don't care if it's super far right, super far left, or somewhere in the middle, and we look for these people, and we say, well, that person usually is right on. Be aware when we start looking at the person and not at God's Word. When we don't ask counsel of God in our life for what should we do next, because you will have a unique journey in your life. And there will be many things that other people have gone through that they can give you advice on. But there will be some things that even the greatest Christian you know has not walked through. Different things that you may be asked to do in your life. And the point is that your faith must be strong enough at that point not to trust in someone else, but to trust in God. Not to trust in what I say, but to look at God's word and say, God, what do you want from me? To pray to God and say, this seems weird, God. I don't know. Is this what you want? Have a relationship with him. Because otherwise, you will find Gibeonites in your life. And Gibeonites will do what? Well, this is what happens. Three days later, you find out, oh man, you were our neighbor. We were supposed to take you out. We weren't supposed to leave you. 
And now we made a covenant with you. Uh, and you know what? If we don't uphold our word, God's going to come after us for that. So now I made a mess in my own life. And guess what? Joshua marched the army down up north to the Gibeonites spot. And when he marched them to the Gibeonites spot, he said, guess what? We're done being tricked by you. We know we made a league with you. And you will now be our servants. You're going to cut wood for our temple to burn our sacrifices. You're going to carry water for us. You're going to be our servants. We are no longer going to live where we are bound to you. All right? So God still made an opportunity for them, but it wasn't as good as what God's original plan was because they fell for something. They fell for a lie. Right? Somebody deceived them, and it looked good, and they were going to be nice, and it was going to do right, but not really. And it wasn't good what God told them to, and they never checked with God, and they fell. Now, just to move the story on for sake of time, <clears throat> the interesting thing is this. Along comes more armies. Five more armies come along, and they are going to go beat up the Gibeonites because the Gibeonites reneged on joining a league with them to defeat Israel. And the Gibeonites send a messenger down to Joshua and say, you have a league with us, come help us. No. You have to take care of us. We're in trouble. And so what does Joshua do? No. <laughs> he sends an army. But this time, it's okay. Because God's plan was this. It looks really bad. Because there's now five armies more coming after him. And God has a plan, and he consults with God, which is a good plan. And when he consults with God, he says, you go in, and I will win the battle for you. Go up there, help those Gibeonites, I will win the battle for you. And so he goes out, and these armies keep coming at him and coming at him. And he is fighting. Joshua's out there with his army, and he is fighting, and he is fighting. And God says... Let me help you out a little bit. And all of a sudden, from heaven, comes a hailstorm. Mighty, mighty hailstones. And guess who they hit? Not the Israelites. They hit all the armies. Boom, 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 boom. They're killing people left and right. These huge things are coming out of heaven. These huge hailstones, whack, and killing and knocking people down all around the Israelites. I guess I just keep going, right? Even though they're walking right through the middle of the hailstorm, God is wiping out the armies around them. And it says more people that day were killed by hail than were killed by any of Israelites' soldiers. The Israelite soldiers. One more really cool thing. See, they've been fighting from light all the way up to, and the sun is starting to set. And they're fighting and they're fighting and there's more armies coming. What are they going to do? Joshua calls out to God and says, 
God, I, I, I gotta keep fighting. We gotta keep going with this. We gotta defeat them right to the end. Can you stop the sun for me? And God stops the sun. Not for an hour or two hours, but it says in the text, almost an entire 24 hours, that sun stands still. So what happens? Does the earth stop? I have no idea how God did that. How did God stop the earth from spinning for 24 hours until Joshua was done? And when Joshua was done, it says just shy of 24 hours. Boom. Almost. It says almost 24 hours. Now here's the interesting thing. When they've looked back at calendars and looked back at how times have changed, there is... 23 hours and 20 minutes unaccounted for. <laughs> Isn't that odd? It just doesn't line up with the sun. The way this all works out and the patterns that it should be, just back before, several hundred years before Christ was born, there seems to be a discrepancy of 23 hours and 20 minutes. All the rest of the things have all worked out just right, except for 23 hours and 20 minutes. Because God said, I'll help you. Okay. I got it. Here comes the hail. You just keep fighting because you are in the thick of it. And sometimes in your life, you are in the thick of it. You are so much into the thick of it in battling in your life. And you sometimes are just fighting all around all you can to try and do the right thing. Do not give up. Keep going, even if it seems like you keep fighting two days straight in a row and don't ever get to sleep. There's Joshua. He keeps fighting, keeps fighting. He says, I don't care what it is. I'm going to fight all the way through the night. I can't, it can't get dark. I'm not done yet. And God stops that sun for him. And then, whew, at the end of the day, off it goes again. And it's the second day. Incredible thing that God does... Now, if we were to skip along to the end of chapter 10, and I've skipped a few, quite a few verses in that story, but at the end of chapter 10, this is what Joshua says. Now, they've captured all the kings. There were five kings from those five countries. They defeated all those guys and wiped out every single one and every single time. They got the five kings, and they have them. They were hiding in a cave because all their people died. And they went up together and hid in a cave, they rolled a rock over the top of it till they were done fighting, right? So the kings couldn't get out. And then they came back and unrolled the rock and took out those five kings. And they were going to kill them. Wipe them out off the face of the earth. All right? And this is what Joshua says. <clears throat> or verse 41 of chapter 10. And Joshua smote them, that's all these armies, from Kadesh Barnea even unto Gaza, and all the country of Goshen even unto Gibeon. All these kings and their land did Joshua take at one time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. And Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, unto the camp to Gilgal. So here they are, and they look, and they, this whole country, how is this all going to happen? How are we going to go in? Are we Are going to have to defeat every little town? They're coming to you, Joshua. Don't worry, I got it all set. You're going to go up and help these, these Gibeonites that you made a league with, not with my permission, but I'm still going to work through even your mistakes and redeem what you've done. And so five armies come, and 
and he says, go ahead, you take them out. I'm bringing them right to your doorstep. Go ahead, do it. God has a plan. This is the, the thing of this. God has a plan for you in your life to accomplish things, to grow closer to God, to be in this promised land, to come in, to fight, to get rid of, to take out those sins that are going to knock you down, to, to not be overwhelmed, but to be strong and of a good courage. And by the end, when he's got the kings by the necks, and his army says, what should we do? He says, be strong and of a good courage. Don't be afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for God is with us. God will give you this victory. Sounds really familiar. What God told him the very first time, right? He is now telling people what God said to him because he's lived it. He's seen it. He understands it. And that's what part of this promised land is about. You are living it. You are surviving it. You are fighting in your life for it to obey God. And when you get the opportunity, you tell others how, yeah, when you follow God, it really will help. I can't tell you what your journey is going to be, but I know when you trust him, don't be afraid. He's going to give you the strength. Be of good courage. He'll be with you. And when you can tell other people that, when you're journeying through the promised land, you've already been through some battles in your life. Battles of patience and battles of kindness and battles of, of temperance and self-control. Those type of battles are some of the biggest battles you will have to face in your life. And you know what you struggle with. Don't let your sins take you down. It's easy to do. But no matter when and where and what sin you've got in your life, ask forgiveness. Start fresh that moment. Start again. Don't say, well, God can't use me now. Oh, yes, he can. Even when he messed up with the Gibeonites, God took it and used it to show more victory. There it is. You messed up with the Gibeonites and you're there protecting them. I'll bring five armies to it so you can defeat them right there. All in two days. In fact, I'll make it one day for you. Don't even let the sun set. All right? God can do it, and in your life he can do it as we go to the promised land. Thank you very much.